0: Okay, well here's what we're going to do, you know, it is, Pastor Ray was talking about it, you know, as as you hear a lot of Andy Williams right now, it's the most wonderful time of the year, and there are some of you in this room who don't even know Andy Williams, and that's okay too, I don't even think I'm old enough for Andy Williams specials, but they were popular back in the day, and of course he gave us that song, it's the most wonderful time of the year, you know, Christmas time is also, can also be a very difficult time of the year, for some it only magnifies the pain of loss and lack, and we sing songs like Through It All, so we can encourage ourselves to make it through it all. And you know, uh, it, it's no surprise that It's a Wonderful Life is such a popular movie, especially this time of year. Because many people can relate to the struggle. People can relate to George Bailey. You know, you and I as Christians can relate to George Bailey. You ever stop and think about George Bailey? George Bailey gives up his own ambition, his own dreams, for the sake of his father's business. Doesn't that sound like the Christian? When we come to Christ, we give up our own ambition. We give up our own dreams for the sake of our Father's business. And if we're not careful, we can become disgruntled like George Bailey. Because we forget what life is all about. So today I want to take a little journey. I want to walk us through that first Christmas. I just love this time of year. But I want to take a journey back. We're going to walk through a little scenario. We're going to do a case study. We're going to look at Mary and Joseph and what life must have been like for them during this time. So would you follow me to the book of Matthew, chapter 1. Aha! I lied. Luke (laughs) 1. Luke 1. I want you to know that it is a wonderful life. Not because everything's perfect, but because God is in control. Life is not going to be perfect all the time, as we're going to see today. But God is still in control. And so it can, and it is a wonderful life. Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look at Mary. Just take a quick study through Mary today and see what life must have been like. If you go to verse 26, we'll start there. Now, let me just give you a little history here. The angel Gabriel is about to appear to Mary. The angel Gabriel, six months earlier, appeared to Zacharias' wife, who was Elizabeth. And she was older and she was barren. But the angel Gabriel appears and says, okay, now you're going to have a baby. So now in the sixth month, Gabriel comes and appears to Mary. Verse 26, if you're there, shout at me, say, I got it. Okay, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent to God, sent by God, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and is now in the sixth month of her uh, is now in the sixth month of her who is called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, guys, gentlemen, as we read this story, it's like Ah yeah, you know, Virgin Girl, that's cool, man, whatever. But ladies, I just want you to to jump onto this for a minute. Think about this. Now, I have a a five-year-old daughter. And she's at the stage where she doesn't want to be married right now. And that's great. We're going to ride that boat as long as we can. But you know, like, the single most important part of a girl's life, what she starts planning from the time she's 12, you know, she doesn't start planning her wedding at 18 and 20. She's got the wedding planned. Before she meets the guy. Everything's planned. You just need the guy to fit the spot. You know, it's like you got everything in order. Guys, did you not realize this? You were, you were just the guy that filled the spot. Your wife already knew everything. All the women know. They're laughing right now because they understand. So she had, think about it. She goes from like zero to a hundred. No She's going time to be a all. mom Forget before mom. she even gets married. I mean, just put yourself in her shoes. Now, you know, one of the mistakes we make as we read these Bible accounts is we tend to look, we tend to separate ourselves from these people. We read the Bible like we would read a comic book. We look at these people as superhuman and supernatural. And the truth is, the only thing that's superhuman and supernatural about what you're reading is the power of God. That same power is available today. And the difference is, you and I actually come under a better covenant Because what we read in these old stories is the power of God upon people. But now because Jesus has died, risen from the dead, ascended to the Father, and the Holy Spirit has come, we now have the Spirit of God inside people. And so the power is within us. So don't read this story and think, oh, well, you know, don't don't read it like a comic book story. Read about it like a real young girl. She couldn't have been that very old. She's still a virgin. She's engaged to be married. And God says, you're going to have a baby. Her whole world must have changed. Now that's Mary. Let's take a look at Joseph. Now go over to Matthew chapter 1. And when you get to Matthew chapter 1, I'd like you to go to verse 18, please. And when you're there, just shout at me, say, I got it. Okay, Matthew 1.18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Everyone kind of underline that phrase if you can, if you write in your Bible, found with child. Just underline that right there. It's going to be an important phrase as we move forward. Verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband... "...being a just or righteous man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly." We'll talk about that in a minute. "...but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, "'Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins.'" Now, guys, let's take a look at this from a man's perspective. The girl you love just got pregnant while she was engaged to you. And you're not the father. Okay, I mean, come on, let's be real here. This is the Bible. She's a real woman. He's a real man. The girl you love just got pregnant while she's engaged to you. And you're not the father. How you feeling? (laughs) Still going to walk down that aisle? Still going to stand there and receive to you your bride? I mean, come on, let's be real with ourselves. You know, you got to begin to wonder, God, if this was really your awesome plan, why would you do this to these people? They haven't even begun on their journey of life yet. But God has a plan. And I want you to go back to this verse right here. Verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example. i got to tell you the truth here. Some of you know what this means and some of you don't. So let's walk through it together. What that is referring to, a public example. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 21, God set out a law and a decree that any woman who was still living in her father's house, who was not married but was found not to be a virgin, was to be stoned at the doorstep of her father's house. But God wouldn't put her in this position, would he? Think about what's actually happening here. Joseph, if he really wanted to press the law, could have had Mary stoned to death on the doorstep of her father's house. But the Bible says that he was a righteous man and he was a just man. And so he was going to put her away secretly, but not marry her. He was just going to put her away and let her raise the child on her own until the angel appeared to him. See, I want to walk this out this morning Because we're talking about it being a wonderful life. But think about that first Christmas. How wonderful was it really for them? How amazing was it really for them? I mean, they get this awesome vision from God, but everything from there on out is a bunch of trouble. See, we have a reason to rejoice this morning, regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And sometimes in life, we think that because we've hit hard times, that God has somehow left us and that we're not actually in his perfect plan. Now, of course, we can do things that cause us to fall away from God. But hey, if you venture out there in faith, if you step out trusting God and you find yourself falling into hard times, don't automatically assume that God has left you. Don't automatically assume that you're outside of his perfect plan for your life. You may be just where he wants you you may be right there in the middle of his perfect plan. But we need something to see that. This, this gets even better. Let's take a look at the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, because this is the best part. Turn with me now to the book of Luke. We're going to go back to Luke. Luke chapter 2. And when you get there, we're going to go to verse 1. So, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. You really there, shout at me and say, I got it. I got it. Okay, we heard, we heard the second part of this a little bit earlier. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place when Quirinius was governing Syria. So, all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Not married yet. That's really important to see. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Okay. So you're with me now, right? We're, we're out of comic book story. We're reading a real account of real young people. Think about this. Mary and Joseph. Mary finds out she's pregnant. She's going to conceive the son of God. Joseph finds out, okay, this is a God thing. I don't have to put her away. We don't have to stone her. Things are looking up. Now, in her ninth month of pregnancy, they have to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. How many of you know they didn't have cars back in the day of Jesus? Okay, so you're telling me that a, nine month, uh, a woman who's nine months pregnant is going to walk from Nazareth to Bethlehem is like 80 miles, like a four-day journey. Now Joseph is a just man, right? He gets her the donkey. That's how we get the donkey in the Christmas story. That's where he comes. It might have been Dominic. We don't know. I don't know. haw. Could have been Dominic. We don't know. But Joseph was probably a good man, so he gets the donkey, and you know, maybe she rode on the donkey, but think about this. Have you ever seen a woman who's nine months pregnant? Okay, I've been through three pregnancies, not me, I'm sorry, but my wife, I've watched her go through three pregnancies at nine months. Let me tell you something, women who are pregnant for nine months, they're not doing a whole lot of walking, it's a lot of waddling. It's like you've got to barely keep yourself together, I feel like I've got to run right behind her just in case something happens. So think about this. Come on, these are real people. They're going to go on this long journey. God, are you real? Are you serious? Man, sometimes God calls us to do some crazy things. And we think, God, where are you in the midst of this? Come on, let's bring some reality to Mary and Joseph. Let's not idolize them and make them icons. They're saints just like you and I who have received the Lord Jesus Christ. Period. But God equipped them because he called them. And if God calls you, he will equip you. But it gets even better. It gets even better. So some of you have seen a woman who's been pregnant for nine months, and that's just great. But here's the best part. I think think of all the things, this is probably the funniest part of the story. They get to Bethlehem. Actually, no, let's go before that. The whole reason they went out to Bethlehem Was so that they could be, so that a census could be taken. Do you know why Quirinius wanted the census? More money, more money, more money. Taxes! So they travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem so they can pay more taxes for their new family. I mean, this is just awesome here. This is looking great. You know? Now they get to Bethlehem. Now they get to Bethlehem. And they find out there's so many people in Bethlehem, there's no room for them. There is not a place. Now, you know Mary's like, I can't believe you, Joseph. You didn't book a room before we got here? Come on. How could you not do that? I mean, here they are following God's will, God's plan. And they get to Bethlehem, and they realize there's no room for them in the inn. Ladies, that's like you being pregnant. Nine months pregnant. You're ready to deliver. You, You go to the hospital And they tell you, everyone's having babies tonight. There's no room for you here, but I'll tell you what. This is what we're going to do. We're going to deliver your baby in the bathroom. And then, don't worry about that. We're going to clean the baby up and we'll set you in the cafeteria for the rest of the night. Okay? (laughs) There's no room here, but we'll deliver in the bathroom and bring you over to the cafeteria. Because the Bible says that she laid him in a manger. A manger is a feeding trough for animals, which was probably located inside of a stable. And I don't know if you've ever seen farm animals, but they do three things. And three things only. Eat, poop, and sleep. They're just like babies. That's all they do. Eat, poop, and sleep. Come on, this is the son of the Most High God. Think about this night. Think about what's happening here. So God decides that his son will be born in a manger. You know, it truly is a wonderful life. Not because everything is perfect, but because God is in control. And if we can grab hold of that, then we can endure. Because Mary and Joseph must have had something inside of them that compelled them to keep moving forward. They trusted God in a way that would cause them to do whatever they needed to do to fulfill His great plan and His great promise for their life. So how about you? Did you step out trusting God? Now you find yourself like George Bailey at Christmas time, looking up saying, where are you? What has happened? You find yourself like Mary and Joseph on this journey, traveling. It seems like everything is going wrong around you. And you're wondering, God, are you even in this situation with me? Are you even here with me right now? You ever felt that way? It may have not always look perfect to us, but God is accomplishing His perfect will and His perfect plan in our lives. We just need to trust Him. I want to walk you through a few scriptures this morning. If you turn over to the book of Psalms, chapter 138, we're going to fly through a couple of scriptures right here. Yeah, God wants you to know this morning that just because you hit hard times doesn't mean you're outside of his perfect will for your life. As we said earlier, you might be just where he wants you and you need to hold on this morning. You need to press through. You need to ask God to give you the endurance. You know, sometimes in life, we find ourselves, we've stepped out there, we're doing. We're not in sin, and we know it. We're doing what God called us to do. And it seems like everything around us is falling apart. Everything around us is not working. And sometimes in those times, all you can do is pray, God, you need to revitalize my vision so that I can endure this situation. You know, we deceive ourselves. You got Psalm 138? Okay, hold there. We lie to ourselves, and we think, oh, man... If God, if God would just speak to me from the clouds. If an angel just appeared to me, then I could believe in you, God. Come on, you're human just like me. You know you felt it before. You have to feel that way. We read these accounts in the Bible and we're like, oh man, they had it so good. Man, they had it so good. But you know what? They longed for what we have. They looked forward to the day that, that we, of what we have. We talked about it a couple of minutes ago. The power of God in the Old Testament... Old Testament could only come upon people but because of Jesus' death burial, resurrection and ascension the Holy Spirit came and now the power of God can come in people so the power that you see moving through the accounts of the Bible is the same power that is alive and well not just here today but in here today if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior so there's no hell that can come up against you that you can't conquer Amen. There's nothing that can come up against you that you can't overrun, that you can't come past because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. It's the spirit of the living God in here. In here. So I told you to go to Psalm 138, but before we go there, go back to the book of Luke, chapter 2. Because, see, we looked at one person. We looked at the story of Mary. But I want to look at Mary's cousin's husband. Luke chapter 2, we're gonna read about Zacharias here. This is a really, really important account. Okay, Luke chapter 2. Oh, I'm sorry. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. Luke 1, verse 5. And when you're there, just shout at me. Okay. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias. Everyone say Zacharias. Zacharias was a priest. Say was a priest. Okay, we've established that. Of the division of Abijah, his wife was of the daughters of Aaron... Very one first called to the priesthood, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Now just pause. I don't want you to get all mumbo-jumbled in your head here. Many of us have sat through and walked through the teaching of the tabernacle with Pastor John. Yes, you know? Tabernacle. So, okay, just take the tabernacle and put it into Solomon's temple. You know, after the tabernacle, God established this temple through, through Solomon, and within that Holy of Holies was the altar of incense. So that's where Zacharias is right now, at the temple of God. He's a priest. Verse 10, And while the whole multitude of people was praying outside at the hour of incense... The angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now watch this. And Zachariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? I like one translation that says, how shall I know this for certain? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Follow me now to verse 19. And the angel said to him, watch this, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you'll be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, watch this, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Man, what we see in this scripture is so powerful here. You know, we deceive ourselves. We tell ourselves that if we could just have an angel appear to us. If God would just speak to us through a burning bush. If something would happen that would be superhuman and supernatural and angelic. Then we would believe. Uh, take a look at Zacharias. He's a priest. He serves God regularly. He's in the temple where amazing things happen all the time. The angel of the Lord. Okay, Gabriel. Okay, I don't know a whole lot about it, but you know, in our in our minds, we like to be like, okay, there's archangels, there's Gabriel, there's Michael, and then there was Lucifer, and he kind of messed up, so he's gone. But now there's two archangels: there's Gabriel and there's Michael. So we got Gabriel. God sends Gabriel. God doesn't send Joel, the angel. He sends Gabriel to Zacharias, who's a priest. And Zacharias doesn't even believe the word of God. You and I have an even better covenant. Instead of waiting for some outside audible voice, listen to the spirit on the inside. Listen to the spirit of God on the inside. He will speak to you daily, even about the small, minute, seemingly careless things of life. He will speak to you. So we can't, we can't lie to ourselves and think we'll actually believe if an angel would speak to us. Because Zacharias didn't believe. But the, the part that really gets me here is at the end of verse 20. It says, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Man, I want you to know that God is faithful and he keeps his promise. And God might have made a promise to you that you're still holding out, waiting to be revealed. You're, you're still following him. You have not yet seen that promise come to pass. And the enemy is wearing you down and wearing you down. And he wants you to think that God's not going to come true and come, come through on that promise. But we know the scripture tells us, Numbers 23, 19, God is not a... Man that he should lie. We think God's going to lie to us because we're so used to dealing with people. We're so used to deceiving one another. We're so used to being misled by one another. But God is not a man that he should lie, nor the Son of man that he should repent. Has he not spoken? Will he not also do? You're holding out. You're waiting for God to fulfill that promise. You're on the journey like Mary and Joseph. You're doing what God called you to do. And all types of hell is coming against you. And God wants you to know this morning, hold fast to the promise which he gave you back there because you will see the promise fulfilled if you do not lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't lose hope. Keep trusting in God to fulfill his promise. His word will come to pass in its own time. It's not our responsibility to keep God's promise. It's our responsibility to believe him to keep his promise. Abraham believed and it was accounted to him as righteousness. It's our job just to believe God will do it. I have had the same thing spoken over me uh, by God twice and I have yet to see it. And there are days that come and I'm like, oh man, God, it can't possibly be true. I'm such a mess. I'm such a failure. There's no way it could possibly be true. But we just keep holding on. Because it's not my job to fulfill the promise. It's not your job to fulfill the promise. You trust in the one who gave the promise to fulfill it. And he will be faithful to the end. Psalm 138.8. Now we can go there. And when you get there, Psalm 138.8, just shout at me. Say, I got it. Okay. Thank you. The Lord will perfect or accomplish that which concerns me. You know, while you're waiting, because we all go through a season of waiting. You see, there's four parts to God's promises. Did you know that? God makes the promise. Number one, we react. That's the funny part. Number two. Number three, we wait. And finally, number four, God fulfills His promise. From Genesis to Revelation, you see time and again, same pattern throughout all of Scripture. God makes a promise, the people react, then they wait, and God keeps His promise. So while you're in the season of waiting, remind yourself that the Lord will accomplish and perfect all that concerns me. He will accomplish and perfect all that concerns me. Romans chapter 8. And then when you get there, go to verse 28. Romans 8, 28. Just shout at me when you get there. Say, I got it. And we know That all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Does it say everything is always working good? Does it say everything is always working good? No, it says all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So, from your perspective and from your eyes, it may not look like it's working out well. It may look like you have totally missed it. Think about Mary and Joseph. Do you ever stop and think of, like, did, did they ever have that moment of, like, oh, man, Joseph, this is really bad. Like, things are not going well. Think about it if you went on a journey. You had this place. You're going to take your wife on this special trip, okay? You're going away. You're in the car. You get there. You find out everything has gone wrong. What would you do? You'd probably either have to find another hotel or you'd have to turn around and go back home. I mean, your mind goes crazy. Think about Mary and Joseph. If they could have just stopped, and, but they trusted God. They trusted that God would complete the work that he said he would begin. They trusted him that he would always be there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 16. Paul is writing here to the church at Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, But the things that are not seen are eternal. Jump back into Mary's shoes for a second. And Joseph. God promises Mary and Joseph that Mary is going to birth and raise the Son of the living God, the Savior of the world. Flash forward to His crucifixion. What's going through Mary's mind? How did she know that Jesus was going to rise from the dead? How did she know that God would work everything out all right? The Savior of the world is being crucified on a cross. I mean, she was a real girl, right? She was a real person. But yet she chose to believe that God's promise would be fulfilled, despite what it looks like on the outside. Last scripture, Galatians chapter 6. Are you with me this morning? Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap a harvest if we do not lose heart. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap a harvest if we do not lose heart. How many of you have ever seen It's a Wonderful Life? Many of us can relate to that story in in a number of different ways. One of my favorite scenes is where George Bailey is at the the table. His brother has just graduated from high school, and uh, they're getting ready for the party and the celebration at at the school. And George is at the table with his father, and his father is advanced in years, and George is ready to sail his ship now. George held off for four years. George already graduated from high school. Now his brother's graduating, and his brother's going to take over the business while George goes to fulfill his dreams. And he says, I just, I just can't take it anymore. i got to get out of this town. I can't stay in this town one more minute in this, this measly little town. And, and, and his father turns to him. It's a beautiful scene. He says, I want to do something big. And his dad turns to him and he says, son, I think that what we're doing in some ways is very big. We're satisfying an urge inside of man to have shelter and a home for his family and children. Now that's a movie. But we already said that we're like George Bailey. As a Christian, when we come to the cross, we lay aside our ambition and our dreams for the sake of our Father's business. And you know, the end of the movie is so great because George realizes what life is really all about. And this Christmas season, God wants you to know so much. How much He loves you, how much He has not left you, Even if you have walked away from him, the Bible says, even when I'm faithless, he remains faithful because he can't deny himself. So wherever you find yourself this morning, wherever you are, God is right there with you if you have surrendered your life to him. Don't worry about the circumstances around you. Don't say, someday maybe when these circumstances end, then I'll be happy. Then I'll have joy. God wants you to have joy, peace, and happiness right now in the midst of that situation. Right now, wherever you are. And guess what? It's available to you if you simply trust on the name of the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding because it's not going to make sense. That's my addition there. But don't, don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. He shall make your path straight, one translation says. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, I thank you for your word that you have brought forth this morning. We trust you, Father, right now to accomplish all that you have planned for us. Father, wherever we find ourselves this morning, We take a moment to put our hope and our trust in you. Father, there could be some in this room who have given their lives to you and quite recently, most recently, they're they're wondering, where are you, God? Lord, why have you left me? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? Well, God, we know the truth is you haven't done any of those things. So we just pray for everyone in this room right now. I pray specifically for those who are feeling that way, feeling abandoned, feeling left. Father, excuse me, Father, I pray by the Holy Spirit that you would just bring your encouragement to them right now. Bring your peace to them right now. Let them feel like Mary and Joseph must have felt. God, you're right by their side in the midst of the situation. You're right by their side because you promised you'll never leave us and you'll never forsake us. Father, for those in this room who have run away from you, for those in this room who have not been faithful to you, who have run so far like that prodigal son, Lord, I pray that you would touch their heart right now. And while they may think they have to come back as a servant, when they come back, Lord, Greet them as a son. Greet them as a daughter. Because there's no servants in your kingdom. There's only children. And Father, I thank you right now. Thank you right now for that individual and those individuals who have just remained faithful and steadfast. They have not wavered at the promise of God. And Lord, all types of hell is coming against them. And they're not wavering at the promise of God. Lord, strengthen them right now. Strengthen them right now by the power of your Holy Spirit and let them know it. Let us remain steadfast in this hour and in every hour. In the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.